some bourbons are classics. Some bourbons are definitely in your liquor cabinet. Some bourbons you're definitely going to order when you're out. And one of those is Woodford Reserve. This is Eat, Drink, Smoke, where we eat the fine food, drink the fine bourbon, smoke the fine cigars. I'm Tony Katz. That's Fingers Malloy. And in my hands, as we speak, the distillers select Woodford Reserve. This, it's not the granddaddy. What it is is that it's the bourbon that kind of brought everything back. And coming up, we've got an interview with Chris Morris, who is the master distiller over there at Woodford Reserve. Now, Fingers Malloy, this does not hit the 100 proof. This is 90.4 proof. Not 94, 90.4 proof right there. It's got a mash bill of 72% corn, 18% rye, 10% malted barley. And as you know, a bourbon has to be at least 51% corn. It is put into a first-use charred oak American barrel. Uh, and then uh, it's got to be aged at least two years uh, to, to make it happen. It can only be diluted with water to bring down the proof. That's the only thing that can happen uh, from it. When we say that Woodford Reserve is, is the baseline now, it really and truly is. No one ever said, oh, Woodford Reserve, I'll pass. <laughs> that is never, never happened. Uh, we happen to have a bottle here that commemorates the Kentucky Derby. And the best part is it's dated May 2nd, 2020. Oh, so nice. these got made before coronavirus right there. This is a bourbon that looks a darker, darker amber in the glass. And when you swirl it around, a slight bit of it will stick to the side of the glass. Now, you take the nose fingers, Malloy. What is, what is that giving you right there? I mean, you get a sweetness, right? And he's got his nose right in there. Oh, are you kidding? Listen, this is like a bloodhound. <laughs> this this has always been Woodford Reserve has always been one of my favorites. Now, this is one of those bourbons where I luckily get that citrus. We, we've reviewed a few as of late. Didn't give me that citrus feel. I like when I get that. And you get that touch of orange, just a touch, a nice little bit of it. But that sweetness, is it? Do you feel it's it's a honey? Yeah. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> I took a big snort. <laughs> a little too much oh there. Oh, God, that was funny. Like, you ever just sniff something too much? You're like, oh, my goodness. That happened to me. Uh, we don't lie here. Everything happens. There is no, we don't fix it in post, people. Um, there is, so sweetness is a funny thing. I think it hits people differently. So is it honey? It, it could be. I get a bit of vanilla. So to me, vanilla is sweet. So maybe that's where it, it's coming from. But I don't think you're off base there. As with everything, when you're when you're um, giving something a smell, giving something a taste, your palate is different than somebody else's. So we could be utilizing different terminologies there in the vanilla and the honey to get to the same place. You know, what I, one of the things I like to do when we're getting ready to review something is kind of take a look at what other people are saying. And I've heard other people describe the, on the nose as a graham cracker, and I'm not getting that. And I'm doing my best to not let that influence what Because it I'm totally will. Out. Yes, it will. Oh, it so will. And this does have a touch of medicinal, and we've heard many people describe it that as an ethanol kind of of, of scent. And I, I don't know what I don't know how I would do that. I always say medicinal. I don't necessarily mean that in a negative, because very often you'll get a medicinal on the nose, but not on the palate. There, it's it's so remarkable how different it can be from what your nose, the sensation in, uh, in the nostril. Versus the sensation in the palate. Specifically, what did you eat that day? What, what's the weather like? How you're feeling? All those kinds of things. What's the matter, Fingers? Well, I, I'm just realizing that I had a Big Mac today. I hope that doesn't affect. <laughs> Wait. Well, is Big Mac on Atkins, Fingers Malloy? Uh, Wait. I, I fell off the wagon, Tony. Oh, did you? Yes. I went to Texas. I gained seven pounds in four days in Texas. 
And we'll, we'll discuss it later. Yeah. We'll discuss it later. Let us, let us take this uh, to, the, uh, to the tongue right there. You ready to do a sip? Absolutely. And we do it neat, and then we either bring it to a big rock or we do ice chips and kind of let it melt a little faster, let it open up, get a little bit of chill, let that water in there, and do its job. You ready? Absolutely. Here okay. I go. Now, Fingers does the sip and goes right to it. I do two sips, one to kind of set the tongue straight and then one to really get the flavors. Uh, you're swishing that around, Fingers Malloy. That is the Kentucky Chew. The Memphis Munch. It is not what it's called. Oh, it's just so good. So smooth. You get that the vanilla honey kind of flavor a tad on the medicinal on my palate but not a lot and, and, and no burn no real sting uh, a little bit of the oak as well tony this is just magnificent there is no sting or tongue on the uh, or sting or burn on the tip of the tongue actually hits a little mid tongue goes down the throat easy for me rests in the lower chest with a little bit of heat i think that citrus comes through for me absolutely positively wonderfully there is a there's a nice cigar-esque feel to this that i get almost in in that old school way i'm a nicaraguan fan when it comes to cigars that's where i live and breathe i love leathers in a cigar and i've been trying i've been working hard to try and find them find those flavorings within bourbons this somewhat hits that but i'm so reminded of 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 it when I when I'm drinking this that I I'm, I think I'm kind of doing it to myself and I need a little more. But you want to talk about an easy, smooth, good bourbon that needs just one chip. Oh, I just threw that into a different glass. <laughs> just one chip. That's all I'm doing. I want it to open up a touch, open up just the tiniest bit. But what they've got here has got some really really wonderful balance. You're going with just a little bit of water. You're going to basically keep it neat, and you just want it to open. You're not even going to chill it down. I got to tell you, I'm really impacted by the seasons when it comes to drinking bourbon. And today in Indianapolis, is it's really what I feel like is our first fall day right, it's of crisp. the season. Perfectly 60 crisp. some odd degrees outside, lower 60s. And normally I love just pour it on a rock or have a couple of uh, ice chips in it, but... This is so good and neat. I just want to see what a couple drops of water will do to it and see how it will open up. And by the way, try different things. First, try it neat. And then if you need to pour it into a different glass and you want to do that, do that. Or just add a little bit of water to it. Or pour some of it onto a cube and try that. If you're, if you're experimenting, if you're trying, do not limit yourself from trying the things. And if you say to me, hey, I don't want to waste any, it's not a waste to find out what it is you like. Biggest misnomer out there. You bought the bottle, by the way, the MSRP on this, between $30 and $35 a bottle. Yeah. And, and I don't even have to tell you it's in your liquor cabinet. Woodford Reserve is already in your liquor cabinet. This is the distiller select that we're talking about. But don't limit yourself. It's one of the worst things that people do. Well, I, 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 don't, want, I don't want to waste it. You bought it. You don't know what you like yet. Take the time to find out what it is you like. Now, my cube is mostly melted. You threw a little water on there. Oh, opened right up. It, it, it is almost a little bit of a spice that's coming through. This Maybe that's the citrus for me. Um, and that whatever little hint of medicinal that I was was getting out of it, it's it's not there anymore. And I really wasn't getting much of a sting at all on the tongue. This oh, is the, just, this the, is just the so sting, good. The sting is gone. The sting is gone. That was on the, on the first... Really, for me, the second sip, uh, it, it was there. That's over. It still hits a little bit in the lower chest with a little bit of heat, but uh, things for me always do that. 
this is just wonderfully easy. There are more complex bourbons out there than than the Woodford, but in, in terms of you, you can find more things maybe. But what they have done and what they've created, and really how they kind of recreated so much of what bourbon is. This is sensational, and this will work for the whole room. And it doesn't I, matter who you are. I'm so excited to pair this with a cigar mm-hmm. because this, you you can just tell, it's it's going to pair so well. I love a little citrus. I love that little bit of orange zing that's in there in the Woodford Reserve. This is the Distillers Select. You got you to gotta try it for yourself. It's a must. You must. This is Eat, Drink, Smoke. So Chris Morris is the man who knows everything about bourbon. Eat, drink, smoke, everybody. I'm Tony Katz. That's Fingers Malloy. Chris Morris is the man, the brains at Woodford Reserve, the master distiller. And if anything makes me happy to talk to him, he's the guy who brought us the double oaked, which I do want to talk about. It's National Bourbon Heritage Month. We've been talking to people who have really made bourbon what it is. This this wonderful resurgence over the past years. Of course, it is uh, America's drink. Chris, it's good to have you. Good to be able uh, to talk to you. People can go to woodfordreserve.com. It's a name people know. When people think bourbon, I think at this stage of the game, people know Woodford Reserve is something that you can drink. Let's start with you and, and just quick history of you. How did you get into this and work your way to being the capo de tutti capo of distillers well, over at Woodford Reserve? Well, thank you so much. It's great to be with everyone tonight. Well, I'm, I'm the old-fashioned story. Uh, my mother and father both worked at our parent company. My father started back in 1946 after he got out of the military after the Second World War. And my father and my mother joined the company in 1952. And I was literally born in a bourbon family. And that's just, I thought the world was all about bourbon growing up. That's the way it was. And as a youngster, I would spend time at the distillery um, with my father on the weekends. He'd go down to work and he'd bring me. And my playground was a bourbon distillery. I mean, it's, I guess, the dreams of any kid today. And when I was 18 old enough to legally work at a distillery but not to drink of course right i could i went to work my family owned a bar when i was 20 so i could work there i could clean up people's puke i couldn't drink there it was exactly. it was it's just <laughs> as wrong as wrong can be uh, i think woodford reserve is it has really become one of those brands that people say this is a, this is a standard this is definitely in my liquor cabinet this is definitely something i'll order uh, when when i'm out at a bar when i when i want a a, a fine drink what is it that you think you guys have done over at Woodford that has given you this, I think, marketing edge and, most importantly, this drinkability edge? Well, that's a great question. And, you know, a lot of it, a lot of the everything in life is timing. And our timing was the worst ever. <laughs> so, so we had this idea to introduce a new bourbon that would have its own distillery and the distillery would be open for people to visit in the early 1990s. Now bourbon, we didn't know it was in a 40 year decline. So we're about halfway through a 40 year decline at this point. Famous distilleries such as Stitzelweller and Yellowstone and Medley are closing. And there is no Kentucky bourbon trail experience. Who, who wants to go to Kentucky and visit a distillery? Who cares? Bourbon was 
some writers, the very few writers that were covering the industry, said bourbon's going to become extinct like rye whiskey is. And we decide to change the trajectory of our industry. So we purchased an old distillery in Woodford County that that had been there since 1812 and had a different vision because all of our great historic bourbon brands, as you can imagine, had been created 100 years before. And they were made for bourbon drinkers in Kentucky and the South. People who never heard of tequila and did not know what vodka was, uh, a Zinfandel or a Shiraz, those things didn't exist for them. They were making bourbon for bourbon drinkers. But now in the 1990s, we know about the world. And we know about malt drinkers and cachaca drinkers and bijou drinkers and wine drinkers. We know there are many different beverage, uh, alcohol beverages enjoyed around the world which has a diverse palate. So my idea was let's make a bourbon that has the flavors of the world in it. In other words, the flavors that people in many different cultures would appreciate. So we purchased this old distillery that had been closed since 1959. Most of it if its equipment was gone so we could put in the equipment we needed to create this new concept that we call Woodford Reserve. We're in Woodford County. That's where our name comes from. And we built this new-to-world bourbon. And no one had ever done that before. Made a bourbon with a flavor target, with a flavor concept. And it, it changed the world. And plus our package, we knew that the package had to be different. Because up to this point, every new bourbon, and there weren't many of them, they all had a square bottle and a black and white label because they wanted to look like Jack Daniels. We knew we had to change that vision, that visual. So we created a new package that is sort of like, what is it? Is it cognac? Is it malt whiskey? What is this package? And the marketing and the packaging, it's stunning how much... Uh, that matters. But you brought up something interesting, and, and I want to follow through on it. Uh, talking, of course, to Chris Morris. He's the master distiller at Woodford Reserve. You talk about creating a bourbon for the world and creating those flavors. It's 20 years later now, and and you've seen the, the, the resurgence that you are partially responsible for bringing. So as you see the bourbon drinker of today... Where is that flavor profile? What is it that you're seeing that the trends and the taste are going towards or going away from, or are they just there and building on? That's, yeah, that's the big question. And again, growing up in a bourbon culture, you drink bourbon. If you ask a bourbon drinker in Kentucky, you drink scotch, no. You drink wine, no. I mean, you drink bourbon. And we know today that the consumer is a portfolio drinker. That's the marketing term. And I'm not in the marketing side of the business, but I, I listen sometimes at meetings when I'm awake. Um, <laughs> that's People are drinking. They'll have a, a glass of wine. They'll have a glass of beer. They might have a gin and tonic. They, you know, they're drinking many different things over the course of a day or a week. And a bourbon is included in that portfolio of drink experiences. And therefore... This wood reserve idea fits right in there. It it meets their flavor expectations. So 
that's why we, as you so graciously point out, we help change the world to now we have a bourbon. There's a bourbon whiskey called Woodford Reserve that you can enjoy in Australia. You can enjoy in Korea. You can enjoy in, in Berlin. You can enjoy in Moscow. And, and there's going to be people enjoying it because we know because we're selling it there that it fits their flavor needs. So there is no trend point. There's no trend point that you see. It is just that if, you, if you're if you creating something, stick stick with the vision of what you're creating. Well, I still have 60 yeah. seconds left with you. Stick with the yeah. vision of what you're creating, and the, and, the, and the bourbon drinker will find you. That's exactly right, because the old conventions are gone. It's a, it's a whole new world, and people are experimenting, and they want they want enjoyable flavor experiences, and they will take it where they get it, and we're going to deliver it to them. Chris, listen, uh, I have many more uh, questions. Uh, st- stay with me, because I want to ask you one more question, specifically about the Double Oaked, which I had my first opportunity to try over the weekend and just wowed in a way i'm i'm very surprised by by what i found that flavor profile and i want to ask you about it so if you can hang on just a couple minutes i want to get to that and then ask you what that bird is in the background because that's insanely cool uh his name (laughs) is chris morris it (laughs) is woodford reserve and this is eat drink smoke okay i said i had another question for you uh, chris morris and here is the question. Chris Morris, by the way, is the master distiller at Woodford Reserve. And I wanted to talk to him, of course, National Bourbon Heritage Month. Me, I'm Tony Katz. That's Fingers Malloy. This is Eat, Drink, Smoke. Uh, find the podcast at Apple Podcasts. That's what you should do. And then you can share this in an interview with everybody. I had a chance over the weekend to drink the Double Oaked, the Woodford Reserve Double Oaked. And as it was described on the bottle, is that you make a bourbon and then you take it out of the barrel and then you put it into another barrel, thus double oaked. Yes. In my rudimentary understanding of bourbon, I would have thought that's not allowed. So first that, start yeah. with, am I, am I right or am I wrong? You know, oh. we're talking about American first use charred oak barrel and yep. 51% corn and only diluted with water. Aged, I think, two years or four years? Uh, well, two years to be a straight a straight bourbon or straight whiskey because we do have several types of straight whiskey, Tony. And then at least four years for no age or label claim on the, on the package. Right. Well, I am not a lawyer, but I... I'm, <laughs> Anytime but, you start a conversation with I'm not a lawyer, you're going to need a lawyer. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> but I, I went to school. I can, I can figure some things out. And the regulations for bourbon, as you were quoting, say bourbon can only be matured in a new charred oak barrel. It doesn't say how many new charred oak barrels. It just says N.A. So double oaked is a Kentucky straight bourbon whiskey because we take fully mature Woodford Reserve, new charred oak barrel number one, and transfer that fully mature whiskey, averaging seven years of age, into a new second charred oak barrel, but a different charring and toasting process for an additional year of finishing. So it still meets the bourbon regs because it doesn't say how many new charred oak barrels you can touch. Can I just so. say that's that's like hearing uh, it depends on what your def- definition of the word is is. That yeah. is a wonderful bit of t- you are a lawyer. You just graduated. I'll just send you a degree right now. 
That's uh, call me a, ba- a backwoods lawyer. Yeah. All right. I can do that. So, what made you come up with? That? First of all, that's that is pure brilliance. What comes up with that idea? What made you think that if you age seven years and then finish in another barrel for another year, it's a long development process for this bourbon. What gave you that idea and what was it you were trying to get out of it? And then what did you discover? Well, the the impetus for that was, Tony, that a lot of folks here, certainly here in Kentucky, who had become bourbon Woodford fans, you know, Woodford's my drink. They're, They're in my face. Woodford's my drink. I want something special from you all for special occasions. So that was my frame of reference. That that was 100% of my marketing research. What is a special occasion? Oh, after dinner drinks, you know, something, you know, special occasion. That's all I, that's all I went by. So I wanted something really special. And I was thinking about it and thinking about it. And we had pioneered barrel finishing for Kentucky bourbon for American whiskey uh, with our unique Wish Reserve Masters Collection Chardonnay finish in 2006 and our Pinot Noir finish. We had put whiskey in barrels that no one had ever done in the history of whiskey and just shook up the industry. So I'm like, let's finish Woodford Reserve in the second barrel. Uh, but the second barrel, if it's used, we're not bourbon anymore. Let's use a new barrel and let's make this new barrel uniquely for Woodford Reserve finishing. No one had ever done that before in the history of whiskey. Scotch, Irish, no one had ever made a finishing barrel specifically for the whiskey that it's going to use. And we did that. And and I wanted it to be that after-dinner style drink. When you go to a nice restaurant, that special occasion with family and friends, and that little dessert menu comes out, and all these wonderful desserts, but it's it, it gives you, you want some port, you want some sherry, you want a cognac, you want a Grand Marnier, you want a Tia Maria. It never has a bourbon on the list. So let's make a bourbon that will go on that list. And that's what we did. Well, it is... I thought it was, I thought it was wonderfully big. I thought it had uh, tremendously good sweetness to it. I thought that you know Thank sometimes you. when you engage in in bourbons, and and I speak, I speak as as an amateur professional. Um, you 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 get the flavors, but you don't necessarily get the textures. And I felt that it had texture to it. That there was a depth. There was a not a not a thickness, but a, ba- a better. I, I, I would argue a richness. That that came from it, and is that from uh, st- uh, the the styles of of how you created that second barrel, or is a lot of that from the first barrel, and the second barrel was just a reinforcement? No, you you hit the nail on the head, Tony. It's a it's a reinforcement. So we never finish with reserve in a second barrel, whether it's the new double oak barrel or previous barrels like Chardonnay or Pinot Noir that adds new flavors to Woodford. Woodford Reserve itself is. not incredibly complex and the second barrel in my philosophy of finishing will highlight specific flavors in the Woodford Reserve whether it's the Chardonnay which are the apples and the citrus or the Pinot Noir which is dried fruit and and brown spices the the double oak barrel reinforces or highlights those huge sweet aromatic notes the maple syrup the butterscotch the chocolate the caramel notes so I wanted to reinforce those again that's that after dinner uh, dessert specific which doesn't hold water anymore because people love the brand anyway so that was that was the goal 
So it's a combination of the two barrels. But the second barrel is the most heavily toasted bourbon barrel in history. So we're toasting that barrel for 40 minutes, which is unbelievable. That's the kind of toast. Average barrel gets toasted how off? How long? Couple, a, a minute at the most. A minute at the most. And we're doing it for 40 minutes. So you're really then, trying, to, you're trying to bring out everything that oak has to offer. Yes, exactly. So it's a very expensive barrel. Our cooperage, our cooperage on a, a standard day, making barrels for a number of hard distilleries, Woodford Reserve, Old Forester, Jack Daniels, it can make 2,500 barrels a day. When it makes double oak barrels, it can only make 100 barrels a day. It's an extremely time-consuming process. By the way, cooperage is how much you're getting out of it. Yeah. And boy, it, I mean, it really it really pays off. And I'm so glad you like it because oh. in just a matter of years, the International Wine and Spirits Record, which is the international body that monitors our industry and recognizes volumes of price points, which they impose upon us, um, the standards. Um, Wood Reserve Double Oak now is the number one ultra-premium Kentucky bourbon in the world. We've passed the classics of Booker's and and Blanton's. We're number one in just a few short years. See, now you're just bragging. See what we are. I love to say that. <laughs> now, before I let you go, Chris, Chris Morris, Master Stiller, Woodford Reserve. What's with the bird? Didn't the, the, all I hear, could call. You have a pterodactyl as, as, in, 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 in the distillery. What is that thing? Well, we have a beautiful patio in the back of the distillery along Glens Creek. And we have a little bar, and I'm enjoying a Woodford Reserve Manhattan. And those are some blue jays because we got to have oak trees. And blue jays love oak trees. So they're out here yelling at each other. Well, do, are, is cigar smoking allowed on that back patio? Yes. Uh, fingers and I are coming. Fingers, true <laughs> or false? Do you have the Do you have the car gassed up and ready to go? Let's it's been it. running for the past twenty minutes. That is correct. That is <laughs> that is the correct answer, uh, right there. Uh, Chris Morris, listen, I appreciate you taking the time uh, so much uh, to be with us. Go back to work. Go uh, go make drinks that make people happy. Uh, can't well, tell you how you. much I appreciate it. Uh, Chris Morris from Woodford Reserve, thank you so much. I just thought that that part of the conversation, fingers, the idea of the rules state first use charred oak American barrel, but there was no conversation of how many barrels has got to be one of the most spectacular and incredible ways to like totally lawyer twist of, of, <laughs> of, of, of the thing. Right. You know, I was, I felt bad. I used the Clinton is, is thing, but it's the best way I could think of it. Well, we talked about how cigar making is an art. Clearly making bourbon is an art as well. It is. <laughs> Absolutely brilliant. Chris Morris, Woodford Reserve. I appreciate you. A lot more to get to. I'm Tony Katz. So in order for me to tell you this story, you have to understand something. I have no idea where the body is buried. Eat, drink, smoke. Tony Katz, Fingers Malloy. This time. Well, okay. That You know what? That's a good qualifier. That's really good. Uh, Dancing with the Stars is coming back to television. Now, I, my problem with Dancing with the Stars, because I've never watched, is that they got rid of Tom Bergeron and replaced him with Tyra Banks. I totally object. Totally object. Tom Bergeron is America's father. He's America's uncle. That guy has hosted everything. He has made millions being a host, doing these re- game shows and reality shows. 
I'm so jealous it hurts. I mean, he was Bob Saget 2.0, right? Right. I mean, because Bob Saget was hosting uh, the the blooper thing where all the America's football, Funniest Home Videos. Football to the groin. That's all it was. And then uh, there were like two or three other shows. And then Tom took over. And then he got Dancing with the Stars, which was what his version of American Idol. I mean, let's right. Say, for a while, everybody was watching that. How and, much money he made. Oh, uh, my dream is to be a game show host. That's all I want to do. That's well, all I want to do. Okay. Everybody loves you. It's great. If you Tons could, of money. If you could pick one game show right now that you could host, it, it would be like out of all the game shows, uh, present or in the right. past, which one would it be? Uh, well, if I was joking, I'd say Deuce is Wild. But uh, <laughs> if I'm serious, it's, it's, uh, it's Match Game. There's no question that Match Game would be the game that I would want to host. That's the most fun. That's the one you can play with the most. 100%. When really? Alec Baldwin does it, I get sad. I get, I get sad <laughs> inside. But what about you? Uh, for me, it's Price is Right. Drew Carey has the sweetest gig in television. I don't look good next to a long microphone. So, which is weird because Gene Rayburn had the long microphone. Yeah. But for, but for Match Game, I, I, would, I would do it. I would absolutely do it. Let me get back to Dancing sure. with the Stars. Because this year on Dancing with the Stars is from Tiger King, Carol Baskin, over there on Netflix. Do you know the Carol Baskin story? Uh, listen, I love all 41 flavors of the Baskin Robbins brand. That's not how it works. Oh, no. Then, then no, I don't. So Tiger King <laughs> is the story of Joe Exotic and the people who, who raised these big cats and his fight with something called Big Cat Rescue in Tampa, Florida, and this woman, Carol Baskin. And then uh, he ends up in jail because basically he ordered a hit on her. Uh, I'm sorry. Am I spoiling this for you? If, if you didn't want to watch this during <laughs> coronavirus, I, I don't know what to tell you. And But the story is that she had this husband, Don Lewis, who went missing. Don Lewis went missing, and the way they kind of do the, the show, she may know about him missing. You, you, if people aren't aware, you were you, saying missing, and then there were air quotes. Right. <laughs> you missed that on, on radio. Here's <laughs> what you do. Here's the story. I know Carol Baskin. I have had drinks with Carol Baskin. Get, get, get out of here. I have been in Carol Baskin's home. Stop it. When I lived in Tampa Bay, we were part of the same chamber of commerce. I know Big Cat Rescue. I had brought possibly one of my children there. Oh, good God. Uh, so I don't know if my child looked at the tiger that may have eaten Don Lewis. Okay. Wow. I only know her present husband, and I know, right? We're not close. A uh, Howard. And I didn't know she was married to anybody else. I didn't know any of the stories. I have been in her kitchen. I've been in Carol's kitchen. I reached out to her when this all happened. I said, so I get the first interview, right? And she said, I swear to you, you need to call my people. Oh, she pulled like, that? And I didn't even bother calling. I'm like, you can't. You can't do that to me. That's not right. <laughs> so she's on Dancing with the Stars. It is as, I mean, she's handling all this as well as you can handle all this. But the family of Don Lewis isn't happy. So they are now running commercials in Dancing with the Stars. I'm Don Lewis's older daughter, oldest daughter, and we want to know where our dad is. Oh, my goodness. My question is, if you're ABC, is this a horror show of a PR nightmare or is this the greatest thing that could ever happen to you? And I say this knowing full well, I'm not joking about a man's death. I don't know what happened to that man. I don't know of any of the accusations or allegations or kind of little things they're saying about um, uh, Carol Baskin are true. 
I have no relationship other than a couple of Facebook messages over the last year with her when this broke. That's it. Is, is ABC freaked out well, or not? First of all, I want to preface my remarks by saying when I was laughing, it was out of pure shock. Like, I cannot <laughs> believe what you are telling me right now. Uh, listen, uh, they had to have known what was going on right? with, the, with the background of, of the story. I'm shocked that they would approve her to be in the cast. You would think that there's no one else that could create some buzz uh, with Dancing with the Stars that they bring her yeah, on. Yeah, but this is the buzz buzz. Oh. That whole show is based on trying to create a buzz. These aren't stars. Carol Baskin's not a star. I mean, you could have been on Dancing with the Stars if Carol Baskin's on with Dancing with the I Stars. I can floss like nobody's business. <laughs> can you do the Dougie? Can you Dougie? I can, I can, can you do the Kate worm? Upton Dougie? I can't Kate Upton Dougie. Say that five times fast. But uh, no, I, I just cannot believe that the so family often. is running commercials saying we need to know what happened to our dad. You got to think that the PR people are going, okay, maybe we didn't plan for everything. Exactly. You And this is a family show. I mean, this isn't some sort of nighttime edgy cop drama. This is a, a family show, and they cast this woman with this past. Possible past. Possible okay. past. Okay, possible. I don't want to get sued. So now you're ABC. You're somebody who likes the drama. You like the thing. In, in week three, do you get rid of her and create more drama that way? And now people can question, you know, who's right, who's wrong? No, I, I listen, I think that what you do is you play this up throughout the first uh, part of the season. And then, yeah, she has an unfortunate accident. And then that's the end. Oh, of oh she, she has a knee injury. She goes <laughs> yes. full Tanya Harding. And, yes. Nancy Kerrigan. and then, then, then that's it. I mean, I, I just don't know how. I, I just don't know. I'm stunned. In 2020, networks are, are so careful to not offend anyone. That's why I believe this was all purposeful. Had been. And they game planned every part of it. I'm, I want to put down my marker. Well, she might even get past week one just the dancing. They'll find a way to get rid of her because it's too much heat. They'll have to, and they'll realize their mistake. Well, let me ask you this. You've been in her kitchen. I have. Have, have you Dude. seen her dance? Have I've you never, seen her I've dance? Never, I've never seen her dance. She didn't, I've never she didn't seen dance her. around the kitchen or it anything? The, it is the craziest. Like, I, I, had, I, I had not thought about her in years. It's a long time since I lived in Tampa Bay. And all of a sudden, there's Tiger King. It's like, no, no, <laughs> no way. And then you hear the stories. You're like, oh, no, crazy. Just crazy. And, I don't, and, and you know, ABC's taking a gamble here. I wonder if any of this is going to come back on them in a hard way. It has to. But what, my question is to you, because you said you, you know, you live down there. What was this? Was this park like a well-known cool. commodity yeah. in, in Tampa? Yeah. I, 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 Gun Highway, I believe, is, is where it was. Uh, very, very cool. Very cool. You would be like, you know, this is great. They're rescuing animals and taking care of them and all that jazz. And you never had to, I never, I never considered anything else. Maybe to my naivete. I never considered anything else. And, and to, to see the story and everything, how it's blown up, just nuts. Other crazy story of the day uh, is uh, 50 Cent. Uh, may, do, are you friends with a 50? I love 50. Do you? I can name at least one song. Uh, what I like about him is that he's very serious about the dollars. And he has uh, worked on, on like befriending people like Buffett and, and others to try and learn how to Jimmy? Manages money. Yes, Jimmy. Because Jimmy's Jimmy or Warren, either way, they did well. Um, 
how to manage the money. Well, there's this YouTube star whose name I, I don't know. I have no idea who he is, who shows up at this Burger King drive through He's like, hey, hey, can I talk to all you guys? Everyone, everyone. And so the, the worst person comes by, you know, gets everybody, one of the workers. He goes, you know, I just want to let you know I, these times are tough in COVID. I know how you feel. He's at the Burger King drive through He's just standing there. He pulls out wads of cash and starts handing people cash. And then they're like, oh, my gosh. He's like, wait a second, wait a second. I get somebody else to help me. And then 50 Cent walks up. Wow. They go nuts. And he's handing out cash. They handed out 30 grand to these people through a drive through window. Meanwhile, I didn't get my fries. <laughs> right? That's the story. How many of them said, I quit after it was done? Hopefully none of them, because the smart people would take the money, invest, and go. <laughs> uh, by the way, the Woodford, the Woodford Reserve is just absolutely wonderful. Our thanks to Chris Morris. Really appreciate him. It's, it's just one of those that ever, you've heard it a million times. Now go try it a million times. This is Eat, Drink, Smoke. There are times you want a cigar that's not going to bowl you over price-wise. You don't want to be in that $20, $30 range. You want to be in a range that, you know, is in that 9 11 13 range. But you don't want to necessarily give up on some taste, on some feel, on some, hey, someone's trying to make something here. Camacho has done that with the Grand Churchill, the Nicaragua. This is a honker of a smoke. I'm Tony Katz. That's Fingers Malloy. This is Eat, Drink, Smoke, where we eat the fine food, drink the fine bourbon, smoke the fine cigars. This is a big stick, Fingers Malloy. It's beefy. Yeah, this, is, <laughs> this, is, this is here to let you know uh, that it came to play. This is the Camacho Nicaragua. So they call it the Grand Churchill. You would think of this shape almost as a double corona here. So this is a 7 by 56. What does that mean? 7 refers to the length. So it's 7 inches long. Tee-hee. It always makes him laugh. And 56 is the ring gauge, how thick it is around. Tee-hee. Also makes him chuckle. A 64 ring gauge, that would be a full inch around. So when this thing is a 56, it's it's there. It's big. This is as large as I go in a comfortable mouthfeel, which is, not, I'm not trying to be funny when I say that. You want it to be comfortable. You want to be comfortable when you're smoking it. This comes from the Davidoff people. It's an Ecuadorian wrapper, a Honduran in the binder, and the filler is Dominican, Honduran, and Nicaraguan. This is not a cigar for beginners. I, maybe I should have started with that. Maybe some kind of <laughs> warning siren, uh, perhaps. This is a big, big dog. So it's going to have a lot of different flavors, and it's going to hit you both spicy and peppery, which is a weird thing to say because sometimes they go, they, they're synonymous, and sometimes they're kind of not. I think this hits in a spicy, bold way and also has a, has a good pronunciation of wood. I sometimes see it as a grass kind of flavoring. Well, some people call it a cedar. I think stick with wood if you're not sure and then build uh, on that. You do a cigar, cigar in thirds. We just lit this up. First third, second third, final third. That's the way you want to look at a cigar and review it because the flavor profile will change throughout. We just lit up. Fingers, where are you? Well, we got the spice right off the bat. Like you said, when we first lit it, it was like, what? Well, I always say big. Yeah. Big spice. At least for me, big spice. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Also, uh, that kind of the earthy notes that you get uh, from a cigar like this. But you brought something up interesting Um uh, so that, that I find interesting uh, a minute ago, and I want to ask you this. When you said this isn't a cigar for beginners. Correct. Would you recommend, a ch- forget this flavor profile, for beginners, do you think a, a Churchill is something that, uh, size-wise, is something that a beginner should look at? Yes, because I, oh, God, I've got to say the words. Size doesn't matter. 
That's right. Just let it sink right in. Let it go right under your chest. No, it doesn't because it's what the intent of the of the uh, uh, of of the person creating it. What was the intent of the blender? What was the intent of the roller? What was their purpose? What were they going for? And they create sizes because they think it will create within that smoke all of the flavors that they're trying to get out of the leaf, right? Uh, whether they're, they, they, they got the lajero the, or, or, the, or the seca, depending on where you are on the plant, what they've decided to pick as the primings and how they decide to put that together. There's a reason that this is an Ecuadorian wrapper. There's a reason there's a blend of Nicaraguans and Dominicans in here. And that reason was thought of by the, the, these blenders, by these rollers, and they want you to experience it. So if they didn't want me to try a Churchill size... They wouldn't have created it for me. Mm -hmm. And it's not that a cigar, like, I would never go the other way. I would never say that a nub is for beginners. Right. Nub is a brand, by the way. And they come in the, like, like almost like a four and a half inch. I, I, I forgot the top of my head. I don't, it's not a size that works for me. But flavor, nubs are fantastic. Well, I'll tell you, it is a great size for me, especially when I'm going out to grill. And I know I'm only going to be outside grilling for about 20 25 minutes that nub is perfect right uh, this right here I, I I agree with you depending on the pl flavor profile I could see where Churchill would be great for beginners but this one may be just a little and, and, too bold and right it's just there's just so much bigness happening in here so when I say it's not for beginners it's because I would start beginners I wouldn't even start them with a mild I, would, I, I think I would start in some of those medium places and my medium may be different than other people's mediums but when I know a cigar has come to play it has come to punch um, I don't I, I, I don't start people in in that direction especially because a cigar like this, while it has these flavors, there's, this is not an overly complex cigar. There are cigars out there that have much more subtleness in what's happening and what's going on. I would not say that of the Camacho Nicaragua. That's not to say the Camacho Nicaragua is a bad cigar. I wouldn't say that at all. It is a fine cigar for its purpose, especially at a price point of about 11 12 bucks. No, that's fantastic. And so far, you know, like you said, we just are in the first third but uh, very easy draw, no problem with the draw whatsoever. The and, burn, oh, and it has heft. I mean, it oh. feels it feels good. Yeah, the burn is even. I, I thought I saw a little bit of canoeing on yours, but not really all that much. I mean, it's a, it's it, it very much feels like and looks like a well constructed cigar. So canoeing is what happens when one one side of the cigar is is burning hotter, and all of a sudden you're like. It's it's your your burn is uneven. Don't forget to spin your cigar as you smoke. Now, this cigar has um, a, a lovely milk chocolate wrapper, right? The Ecuadorian is lovely milk chocolate. It's got a nice little bit of oil to it, right? There's a nice, nice, very uh, uh, slick feel uh, to it. Not overwhelmingly slick. This is just a good, simple keep in the humidor. Smoke when you want something. Cigar. You're going to have a long time uh, mowing the lawn. You can utilize this. You want something that's going to last a while on the golf course? This can be a golf course cigar. Now, it might not be as comfortable if you're somebody who has a cigar in their mouth while they're hitting. If you're full Ditka, and they, by the way, Camacho has the Ditka cigars as well. But at, at the 58 ring gauge, or 56 ring gauge, I should say, this is just at the very tip of where I'm comfortable uh, with, with how it feels. But you don't worry about if you lose it. And no. that's why it makes it a golf course cigar. Well, and, and if I may be a little bit superficial, too, it looks really cool. It's got <laughs> the Harley orange wrapper 
uh, with the black writing. With the black writing, it lo- it looks good in your hand. I I don't know if I would want to smoke something like this on the golf course, just because you know you, you bring up Ditka. It always cracks me up because you'll see footage of Ditka, and he will have that cigar in his mouth when he's putting, <laughs> the cigar in his mouth when he's lining up a shot. You know, a lot of golfers, including myself, you know, if I have a cigar, I want to put it down somewhere. I'll put it on the ground, pick it back up. Uh, this right here, I while I agree with you, I mean, at the price point, this is, uh, uh, you know, it, it's it's not a cheap cigar, but it's not something that you're going to feel just awful about if it if it does get ruined right. on the golf course. But it's 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 so hefty that I this is the kind of the smoke that I would like to have in the back of the uh, at the clubhouse on the back deck at the golf course watching is, people coming off the and I would argue green. that this is a good statement cigar this is a good bachelor party cigar yes right this is a good baby is born uh, cigar yes and the reason I picked it is because with the Woodford Reserve that we've been drinking you could probably do this at a cigar lounge or other places and walk away for 20 bucks with the one two punch that's a nice way to spend an evening. You didn't overwhelm the pocketbook, and you got something worthwhile. It pairs lovely with the Woodford. I think oh. the spice on the cigar with that little bit of, of orange sweet from, from the Woodford Distiller Select is just a great combination, and it's, it's a low-cost, high-yield combination. That matters greatly. Not every, The night out doesn't have to be 80 bucks. It doesn't have to go that way. But this is something that you should take the time, smoke on the back deck, Write yourself notes. What is it that you're experiencing all the way through? The Camacho Nicaragua, the Grand Churchill. This is all right. This is Eat, Drink, Smoke. So Taco Bell, America's finest Mexican restaurant, (laughs) has launched a wine, an actual wine. And I just want you to know, you know how I feel about these kinds of gimmicks, but when Taco Bell does it, it's still equally as ridiculous. Eat, drink, smoke. Great to be with you. Tony Katz, Fingers Malloy, the podcast at Apple Podcasts. So you can check it out, write a review, leave a five-star review. Eat, drink, smoke, an Apple Podcast. And we're on iHeartRadio? Yes. And we're on Stitcher? Tune in, Stitcher. Google Play? Google Play. So we're a little bit everywhere. Taking over the world, Tony. Taco Bell has introduced Jalapeno Noir to its menu. Now, unfortunately, it's only available in Canada. And I don't know what makes me th- anybody think that Canadians know about wine. Unfortunately. Wait, are we on in Canada? Uh, on the World Wide Web, Tony, on all those podcast platforms that you mentioned. I love syrup. There, that's my, <laughs> that's my ode to Canada. Lo- lovely, lovely people. Uh, and they have paired it. The luxurious toasted cheesy chalupa is about to meet its bougie best bud, Bonjour Jalapeno Noir, available uh, this week. Uh, this according to the Twitter account. Uh, what's th- is this all coronavirus because people are getting Taco Bell bringing it home and now you can have a date night? Yes, I would think so. And what I will commend Taco Bell for. Oh, good we, Lord. We talk about this, this on several occasions. Wouldn't, they make, a, wouldn't they make a great sponsor for Eat, Drink, <laughs> Smoke? certainly would. Uh, pairing is important. A good pairing. I would have uh, paired it with their potato burrito myself. But, you know, <laughs> hey, it's good for Taco Bell for, uh, no, this is ridiculous. They don't have potato burritos. That's the Polish restaurant down the way. It's called the Pierogi. 
Check it out whoa, for yourself. Whoa, whoa, whoa. They took the potato burrito off the Whoa, the whoa, menu. whoa. They had a potato burrito? Oh, it was great. You could tell how many times I've been to Taco Bell. They've had, they got the Frito burrito. They had the potato burrito, where it was just chunks of potato in the burrito. And they called it a potato burrito. That's a breakfast burrito. <laughs> and you get that at your local diner or Denny's. It was just a, a burrito that they would normally put together with the beans and the meat. And then they threw some potato in there. That's it was no. filling. I... <laughs> um, it's 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 Can't just a shtick, but it goes to is this about creating excitement? Creating is this about innovation? Is it solely marketing to make you remember Taco Bell? Because that's enough kitsch to make you be like, all right, we talked about Taco Bell. Who wants bean burritos tonight? Uh, well, it does make you wonder. We've talked previously about how fast food restaurants. There's even more competition for that dollar because it, it feels like people are either going and grabbing some fast food or they may be going to the higher end restaurants and right. the middle class restaurants in the middle may be suffering. Uh, so maybe this is a way for Taco Bell. They've already ticked off a lot of their loyal customers by taking some of their most popular items off the menu just That's a, true. a month ago. So you, by the way, speaking of the whole conversation of the, the, the very low end of fast food and the not low end, but you know what I mean, right. and the high end. Yelp came out with a piece, right? The, re- the review site. Mm-hmm. They make the determination that 60% of the businesses that have closed are not coming back. One hundred, I think it's 160,000 businesses that were Yelp reviewed have closed because of coronavirus. That number is enough to freak you out completely. It should. I know over the weekend we... Uh, went to watch football at uh, a sports bar, and we were we were, you know we were out of town. We were in Austin, and we went to Yelp to try to find a good sports bar. And thank thankfully, we called ahead. The place was closed. the the The, the phone number didn't work. Um, when we did a little research, the place had been there for years. Mm-hmm. Uh, we looked at their social media on Facebook. They hadn't posted since June, and this Aye. was like a really popular joint in Austin. Gone. And you know that's just one story out of you know tens of right. thousands around the country. And, you know we we we're going to keep talking about it because we're going to keep tracking this and following this. If you took a look at jobless claims uh, this past week in, in the U.S., they came in under expectations, which is a good sign, right? Less people went for for unemployment, but we haven't figured out yet. And if you want a number, you can look for right. It's called the labor force participation rate. So what happens is is that there's a percentage of the of the labor force that doesn't have jobs and it's the percentage that's still looking well sometimes the labor force participation rate creates a falseness in unemployment numbers and you'll see unemployment numbers go down but the labor force participation rate number is the thing to look at because a lot of people have given up looking and when they give up looking they fall off the rolls and so the number goes down and so people sometimes look at unemployment in and of itself to see where we are and it's only part of a of a much larger picture. And that larger picture is, if you were in the hospitality world, in the service world, it's going to take a while for you to get trained up to do other things. You're right. And I was stunned. I knew that, you know, airports were going to be a lot emptier, not as busy. I couldn't believe the in, in the airport in Indianapolis, how many businesses and restaurants weren't open in the middle of the day when I came back yeah. from my flight from Texas, flying to Texas. You're going through TSA and just walking up to a TSA agent, not standing in any line whatsoever. The, the Did business- it feel weird to fly? Yes. It was very strange. So so you don't have to say the airline, and, and that's fine. You, you, you get to the airport. Mm-hmm. 
And what was the procedure? It was basically the same as it always is, except you have to wear a mask. You have to wear a mask in in almost every airport that I'm aware of. You had to wear one here in uh, Indianapolis. I flew down to Texas. Texas airports were the same way. You had to wear a mask the entire time you were there unless you were drinking or eating. Uh, you walk up to the TSA agent. The TSA agent, it's the same check-in procedure. They look at your ticket. They look at your ID. They ask you to pull your mask down. Nobody took my temperature. Went on the airplane. Uh, the airline I was flying on, there were no... Uh, middle seats that could be taken. So right. you, it was either a, Did an anyone, aisle or No a one took your temperature? No one took my temperature. Really? No. I would have I assumed that would have been uh, a thing. I thought so too, but it, it wasn't. And they, they did ask at the TSA, they had uh, signs up saying, you know, okay, have you been on a cruise? Have you been to China? You know, all, all this right. stuff, you know. But uh, other than that, uh, there, there was no um, there was extra nothing. protocol other than, of course, wearing the mask. Were people on edge? Yes. I, I did get a sense that there were a lot of people who were actively looking around to make sure that others were wearing their masks. And it was other made, Other passengers? Uh, passengers. Flyers. I don't know what you call them. Yeah, other passengers. There was kind of this, This everyone was kind of looking around, and God forbid anyone coughs or sneezes on the plane. It, it was like those old E.F. Hutton commercials where everything just freezes if someone were to cough. Or to sneeze. It's like, uh-oh, you know, what's, what's going on over but there? you didn't have any of those problems where there was like a baby on the plane. Why isn't the baby wearing a mask? Does no, someone have to be thrown off? No, we, we didn't have a situation where, uh, you know, I think there was a two-year-old that was, wasn't was wearing a mask. And uh, one of the airlines turned around and, and went back to the gate because a two-year-old wasn't wearing a mask. No, uh, the plane was half empty. Did you think it was cleaner? Um, I didn't notice it any cleaner. But I will say, uh, I, I flew from Austin to Dallas uh, Dallas to to Indianapolis, and the, I didn't get off the plane from Dallas. So I and I watched people come in and clean, uh, but it, I mean it was it was quick. It was like it was like going to a restaurant, and seeing a hostess wipe down a table. I mean it wasn't like there was some you know in depth cleaning with uh, special machinery. Right. I did you wipe down your seat? Because I wipe down my seat normally. I, that is the one thing I do. Yes, I did. <laughs> I should have taken your temperature before the show. <laughs> Clearly, this is going to have to happen. Unfortunately, I have one of those old school glass thermometers, <laughs> oh, and you may no. need to you may need to change your position. <laughs> we do it old school here. This is Eat Drink Smoke. Eat Drink Smoke. It is your cigar, bourbon, foodie radio extravaganza. I'm Tony Katz. That's Fingers Malloy. Apple Podcast. Write a review. Lead of a five star review. Did I say leave properly? Leave a five-star review. Eat, drink, smoke. We appreciate it. Subscribe. Can't thank you enough. And just growing left and right. Thrilled. Thrilled, overjoyed with how people are uh, taking to the show. Really appreciate it. Doing the Camacho Nicaragua, the Grand Churchill right here. 56 by 7. Big pup. And with the Woodford Reserve, the Distillers Select. Really a nice combination. The spice of this cigar. The sweet of the bourbon. This is lovely stuff. It is, and I unfortunately I I had to prematurely ash Tony because we have all this nice radio this equipment. This is a family show. <laughs> we have we have all this radio equipment, so I don't want to ash all over our board. But I had a nice ash going on this bad boy. Uh, the burn is even, a pleasant draw. I, I like everything about this smoke. Yeah. Before we get to news of the week, fingers Malloy, uh, we're heard on WYOO uh, down in Florida, and that is Panama City. Hit by Hurricane Sally, 
Holy crap, the hurricane that no one even really saw coming, and it wasn't the wind, it was the 30 plus inches of rain, the flooding. We're not, we're not close to knowing what kind of uh, damage estimates there are. There were half a million people without power at one moment. Bridges completely collapsed. This is bad, but they're still on the air down there. Uh, love them, uh, WIOO. Uh, and uh, anything we can do to help, you ask, and we'll do it. If, if we need to come down and, and, and smoke for recovery, we, we, will, we will do it. Absolutely. We will come down and do that for you. Fingers Malloy, News of the Week. Let's go. Oh, Tony. What? Coronavirus. What's that? We've talked about how it has impacted businesses in the United States. Well, let's, let's head over to Germany, where Germany's beer brewers uh, were already reeling from the economic downturn due to the coronavirus uh, because of the lockdowns to restaurants and bars. Yeah, they, they were, a lot of people were protesting those lockdowns too, right? Yes, well, and another reason why they were probably protesting, they were dealt a second blow, these brewers, after the cancellation of Oktoberfest, Tony. Yeah. Oktoberfest. Yeah, 2020 sucks. 2020 sucks so bad. Holy cow. I mean, that's... See, that's more than an event. That's straight-up identity. Yes. That, like... Come on, that's that's how they that's how so many people like that's their coming together. That's where you set aside the differences. One of the things that I would love to experience in my life is Oktoberfest. Canceled. Canceled. Uh, and I've, of, of course, experienced Oktoberfest in Frankenmuth, Michigan. Tony, Little Bavaria. <laughs> have, you ever, have you ever been to Frankenmuth? No. Oh, my goodness. Frankenmuth? Oh, Germantown in Michigan. Uh, in mid-Michigan, they do the whole Oktoberfest. It's a huge deal every year. It's a big tourist attraction, Frankenmuth, because they have Bronner's Christmas Store, which is open 364 days of the year, and it's all Christmas all the time. But they have Oktoberfest. I'll have to check and see. I'm assuming that's probably postponed, but I don't want to tell the fine folks in Michigan that it is without knowing for sure. But the Oktoberfest in Germany, it runs from mid-September until early October in Munich. Six million visitors every year for Oktoberfest. The economic impact, 440 million euro. So, what, you'd be like $250 million, U.S. dollars, I think. Maybe a little bit more. Don't, don't look to me for your exchange rates. Don't also don't look for me to be your bookie. The, the I can't pro- help you with either. <laughs> the proper exchange rate is a lot of money. Yes, that I'll, is correct. I'll, now, I'll, an interesting piece, the German beer market is down 6.2% compared to the previous year because it includes the first six months of, of 2020. This is just bad because you know they were looking to Oktoberfest as maybe a way to rebound. Think of it. The reason they call it Black Friday, that's because that's the day retailers start making money. That's why it's called Black Friday after Thanksgiving. And it's really interesting. You're starting to see retailers say, hey, we're we're not going to be open on Thanksgiving, which was relatively new for a lot of retailers, right? At first, I was like, why would you be open on Thanksgiving? And then I said, because some people want to get away from their family. How many bars... (laughs) Bars open on Thanksgiving, and they have oh, a yeah. great night because people are around their family enough, and they say, all right, we got to go. Well, and there was, you know, I would always see social media outrage about stores opening up on Thanksgiving. Listen, I used There's to work. social media outrage about cartoons. Oh, oh, outrage course. about everything on social media. But I used to work in the hospitality industry, and I actually liked working a holiday because I liked the overtime. Right. And so th- there are positives to that. 
Uh, but no, it's you're already seeing that reaction where you're seeing on Black Friday, maybe there's going to be some scaling back, and definitely Thanksgiving, uh, things are closing. So, but the economic impact on 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 Munich and in Germany, it's 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 going to be huge. Yeah, it's important to remember nobody's immune from what's going to be hap- what what has happened. And again, there's no way of knowing how this is going to impact things and for how long. I, I've been pessimistic, and that's really not my nature. I'm not a pessimistic cat. You've known me a long time, Fingers. Right. Uh, and I have been. I see little things happening here and there that remind me that people are industrious and they find ways, and in carnage sometimes comes opportunity. And so I'm going to try my best to cling to that. And, and what people can do. But there's no way of, of recognizing that this is just bad, bad, bad all the way around. Next story. Well, we've talked about, Tony, how you know during the whole coronavirus shutdown stage of, of the economy in America, one of the things that we've struggled with is trying to figure out if we are being told the truth and if data is being analyzed properly. Let me go to Nashville. Officials in Nashville, Tennessee. Oh, God, I know this story. Concealed from the media how few coronavirus cases have been traced to bars and restaurants in the city, according to emails sent between the mayor's office and the city's health department. Emails obtained by Fox 17 News appear to show that the two offices seemingly conspired to conceal data showing that while construction and nursing homes led to more than a thousand cases each as of June 30th, only 22 cases have been traced to bars and restaurants. Now, let's start with a, with a baseline. And I, this is so angering. This is going to get so many people crazy. Coronavirus is real. Coronavirus does kill people. I, you, you will not get me to say anything else. The, the argument about data is about whether or not we have coronavirus really harming people who are totally healthy or it is really doing damage to people who have what are called comorbidities. Other issues, whether that be a hypertension or whether it be diabetes or whether it be other serious ailments, which is why it affected older populations so quickly, those nursing home stories. This is a story and one of the worst things that is, that is happening in America, and it's been going on for a while, is about a lack of faith in, in government entities and a lack of faith in the institutions that we're supposed to have faith in. We have been asking and people have been wondering about the, the arbitrary rules about a restaurant could stay open but a bar can't because the restaurant serves nachos, right? It doesn't make <laughs> any sense. Well, if Nashville was indeed saying we know the bars aren't the problem but we're not going to let that information out so we can continue to keep them closed, that's a firing offense, Right. Right? I'm not asking about your politics. I am not interested. It's a firing offense. Nashville should go out of their minds. And you know right now, in every major city across America, they're filing what's known as a FOIA, Freedom of Information Act request, to demand correspondence and information to get these kinds of numbers. Because this is, ju- this is just lying. And there's actually an email exchange between the Board of Health and the Mayor's Office and where someone says, now this is just for the mayor, right? This isn't for public consumption. And the response was, yeah, this is just for our information. We're, we're keeping this off, the, basically keeping it off the grid. They knew they were hiding it. And at least that's the reporting we have right now. 
and I'm sorry. You you can't you can't be anyone. You can't you can't be an American and be like, oh yeah, that's fine. You you cannot lie to businesses as you're closing them down, saying, well, we need to close you down because you are contributing to the spread of the virus and the lack of transparency. This whole thing is gross. And I know people are upset with, with President Trump because, right, he had that interview with Bob Woodward on this book, and he told Bob Woodward, you know, this thing is five times deadlier than flu and things like that. And Well, why weren't you more upfront with the American people? And there are people talking uh, about that. When it happens in your local, then it's like, oh, my gosh. Is, is there like this? Do these people really hate us that much? That's the feel. And I don't think things are going to get good for the leadership in Nashville. This is Eat, Drink, Smoke. We've talked about how virtual classrooms may sometimes feel like an intrusion into our homes. Well, get a load of what happened to Kristen Bell. Welcome back. This is Eat, Drink, Smoke. I'm Fingers Malloy. He's Tony Katz. I am. You, you love Kristen Bell, right? You love the Frozen. I never watched Veronica Mars, but I have watched some episodes of The Good Life, and I, and I actually think she's pretty good. She plays a... I think she... I, I, I enjoy her. That's, that's, that's all there is to it may not you know that's it i enjoy her my my she's she may be attractive may easy on the eyes yes well my my youngest loves the frozen that the kids were all crazy about well uh, apparently uh she and her husband have been living a life of sobriety for a while yeah, her husband is dax shepherd also an actor and uh they're doing the whole virtual classroom with their with their kids. Just like the rest of us. Yes, seven and five. And because they're living this lifestyle of sobriety, uh, they have O'Doul's in the house. The the near It's not even near beer. It's non-alcoholic beer. Not the near beer. You know the near beer, right? It's like... Yeah, three I've heard per, of it. Yeah, 3% alcohol. Uh, but the she's having the... They have a six-pack, I guess, in the refrigerator. And she walks in on her kids on Zoom calls. 9.30 in the morning, Tony... And they're sipping on an O'Doul's <laughs> during class. Wait, the kid is in class on her computer drinking an O'Doul's? Yes. And uh, you know, I have she, many questions. Well, here, here's the first question I have, Tony, is I, I don't know about you, but my kids at that age never had free range to go into the refrigerator and just grab stuff. They had to ask. Right. So, uh, but uh, to, to be able to have your kids go in and, and grab stuff alone is like, well, that's a little odd. But to, to grab, you, you walk in and you let your kids have the duels. Do you have a problem with kids that young uh, have taken a sip of O'Doul's? I, I, I never had a, a drinking problem. And, and, you know, when you do a show like, like ours, you, you always want people to drink responsibly. And I think that's something we should probably add into the show. Hey, don't right. forget to drink responsibly. I, I, I think that's a smart thing. What I don't understand, and I think people who are are who deal with sobriety, right, and 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 uh, those kinds of things, is it normal to have O'Doul's in the house? That it strikes me as uh, this is not a judgment, although I almost like want to. That's weird to me. I think that's very odd that they have O'Doul's in the house. I won't even get into the absolute what is your kid doing with an O'Doul's. And, like, she was okay with it. Yeah, I listen, I've talked to women who were pregnant who liked beer but felt like they couldn't drink and they would have an O'Doul's or St. Pauli's Girl non-alcoholic beer because they missed the taste of beer, especially if they're having, you know, something like beer and pizza, you know. so Wait, St. Pauli's Girl isn't beer? They, they have a non-alcoholic oh, okay. beer. okay. 
Because uh, growing up, that was my father's beer. It was in really? the fridge. He didn't drink it, but we <laughs> had a, it. It's right oh. next to that bottle of Jack Daniels yes, that he doesn't is. drink. Yes, I it see. Was. It was, but it was in the fridge that was St. Pauli's girl. Yeah, but I understood, you know, listening to women talk about how, you know, listen, it, it, which is, it's funny listening to women now talk about not drinking while they're pregnant, where, you know, you talk to, you know, women in the, <laughs> in the 70s, 60s, 50s. Oh, we were doing shots of whiskey the whole nine yards. You hang out with interesting women. <laughs> well, everyone has to have a hobby, Tony. Uh, but no, it's uh, so I could see that. But O'Doul's, I hate to make it sound like that's a gateway. But I would think if you're, you're if you if you're trying to stay sober and you, you I'm just gonna have no duels. That would I, I, the issue would not be if they if the kid said, can I try that? And you gave the kid a sip of it. I think that when parents give their kids a sip of wine or a sip of, I don't see any problem with that at, at all because I, I don't get into the idea, I don't ascribe to the idea that you should shelter your kids from all these things. If, if you as parents are drinking at dinner and your kid wants to try something, well, that's totally up to you. And I don't think there's anything wrong with it. And culturally, I don't think there's anything wrong with it. There are holidays, I'm Jewish, uh, there, there's wine with, with, with Shabbat dinner and, and, and all sorts of, of, of holidays and and I don't mind if the kids try. Totally, totally fine with that. That is a long way from the kid is on a Zoom call drinking an O'Doul's. Like it's just, like it's a Capri Sun. Well, the other thing I, I can't Ooh, help but Sunny think. Ooh, Sunny D. Right? Well, the other, Non-alcoholic. Well, the other thing I can't help but think is because she's a celebrity, she's kind of getting away with this where if... If you were just uh, someone John- would call child services, exactly. We've we've seen stories. Uh, you know, it hasn't dealt with alcohol, but we've heard of stories where a, a kid may have a, a BB gun on his wall, and child protective services is called in. Uh, you have to wonder if if this if we weren't talking about Kristen Bell, if we were talking about Karen Bell, if you know, it's just John Q. Public. If right. this happened, if if child protective services would have been called. So that's the hypocrisy and the double standard of celebrity, right? When a celebrity does it, it's cute. When you do it, it's, it's, a, it's a criminal offense. I think you're right. I think you are right. And I think the story here is that your kid just took one. Like, I think that's, I think that's, I think that's problematic. If my kid took a candy bar to their room, <laughs> which actually happened with my youngest when, they, when, they, when you know, Young, like like eight, nine. You don't you don't sneak food to your room, right? You want something, you ask for it. It's okay, but you don't sneak it to your room because we didn't want them to to ever feel like that they have to do that. That's you don't have to hide from us. That's the thing we don't want, right? Right. That's what makes this story so odd. Well, the other thing. Uh, speaking of Zoom calls this week, Tony, did you see the other story that went viral on Facebook? See, where <laughs> this is a charming story. Yes, where uh, this woman posted what. My daughter uh, was having show and tell, and they were supposed to show the class something that smells good. And so the daughter pulled up a bottle of, it looks like, Malibu rum. Right. Her <laughs> mother's Malibu rum. And her mother sees this, and she just takes the picture. It's like, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? That's an awesome, awesome story. But you see, that's wholesome and cute. And, and by the way, the way you see the picture, like, I'm not 100% sure if that was staged or not. Like, that, yeah. that's the horrible problem of social media. It's the kid uh, at the kitchen table. Uh, it looks like kitchen table. has got the pink headphones on, right? Cute little girl. And the computer's open. And she's holding with both hands like the, the magnum 
<laughs> a Malibu run. Wasn't the little thing you get in the plane. It was the Costco version. The, the bottle is as big as her torso. <laughs> but that's funny. Yeah. That's adorable. That's like when you catch somebody in a Zoom call and they're and like they're they're wearing the dress shirt but still wearing their boxers, right? Yes. That's funny and that's fine. It's a, the the two stories that you would think are the same, but really and truly very very different. Yes, and since we're just going to finish up with on an alcohol theme, Tony, I, I know you love going to Red Lobster. Red Lobster, by the way, would be a fine sponsor of the Full, Eat, Drink, Smoke Radio they? program. Full disclosure, I've never been to Red Lobster. Never? I have never been to Red Lobster. Oh my God, hear- where'd you go to prom? <laughs> For dinner. That's where you go, Red Lobster. It was a pizza from Danny's uh, Pizza. <laughs> uh, and I honestly don't want to talk about my uh, prom. Oh. I did not. Look, uh, it, it, it was my fault. It was my fault. That's it. It's just I had a plan, didn't go to plan, and I said, okay, lesson learned. Well, we'll, sh- we'll make sure to send this uh, clip of the show to your prom date uh, on your senior year. Red Lobster is adding a Mountain Dew margarita to the menu, Tony. See, I hate, I hate shtick. What's the, what? That's, that's, uh, no. It's not even a drink. You don't want a Dewgarita? That's what I, they're calling it. Of course they are, because they're inventive. (laughs) You see, this is another one of those things. I think this is just a story to have people talk about Red Lobster. They don't ever anticipate selling more than seven, do they? Someone's going to try it for the kitsch, and that's it. I'm not going to say Mountain Dew is as as big as the pumpkin spice lifestyle that some people live. Some people are, though. Crazy. Oh, crazy about Mountain Dew to the point where you'll see footage. I've seen footage of uh, reality TV shows where kids are walking around baby bottles with Mountain Dew in it, which, uh, you know, uh, good Lord. What? Oh, yeah. I, I've seen I've, I've had neighbors that have put Mountain Dew in baby bottles, and I, and I would look at them. And they, oh, it makes them happy. Oh, and it also keeps them awake until 3 o'clock in the morning. It makes them happy? <laughs> That's a reason to, to do that to your kids? I guess. And apparently, uh, as they uh, grow up, they'll be able to go to Red Lobster and get a Dugarita. We, we are doomed. We are all doomed. It is the Camacho Nicaragua. Don't let your kids smoke this. And the Camacho <laughs> Nicaragua cigar in the Grand Churchill and the Woodford Reserve, the Distiller Select. Uh, this is a fine, fine combination right here. This is Eat, Drink, Smoke. <laughs> 